Just feels like another winter day in May in Indiana, doesn't it? Uh, it's been a great day, a uh, great opportunity. Today, we continue our, our, our series of messages, Sensational Love. We've been addressing sins that separate us from God, sins that separate us from others. We've looked at gossip and slander. Uh, last week, we looked at slothfulness. Today, we're addressing another sin that when you first hear it, you might say, well, I don't, I don't struggle with that. And you're going to find, as I did even in my study this week, that there are areas in my life that I need to purposely attack so that I don't let this sin permeate and destroy my life. Today we tackle the subject of gluttony. And just as you hear that word, it's not one that's often talked about on a Sunday morning uh, from a pastor. Um, it's not one that is addressed. And be quite frank, gluttony is the most excused sin in the church. We see the term gluttony and we don't think it's as bad as something else. So we almost celebrate it with the way that we allow it to permeate our lives. But think about this for a second. While it might seem obvious, it often has nothing to do with the waistline gluttony. Sometimes it does, but often it doesn't. It's an issue of the heart. It's where we get our desires pushed away from God, and we chase after other desires instead of chasing after a heart on fire for Jesus. And you might be surprised to find that you struggle with gluttony too, more than you realize. Let me just define the term before we move on. Here are some words that are the same as gluttony, or even to define the term gluttony. Gluttony means to have insatiable desire for something. It means to be greedy, It means to have overindulgence. It's to gulp down or swallow. It's an overconsumption of food or alcohol. It's a covetous desire for more than you need. Not more than you want, but more than you need. Gluttony takes on all kinds of forms. And if we're not careful, it would be the very sin that will separate you from having a relationship with Jesus so that you can walk in the Spirit. The Bible is loaded with examples of people who were given to gluttony. And you're going to find out today that it began a long time ago. And because it began a long time ago, it has been imputated, as we understand, through Adam, through every man that has ever lived. This sin has been imputed down through other men, and it's still a sin that many people struggle with today. Grab your Bibles. We're going to go on a journey. And turn to the book of Exodus. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. And turn to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Genesis, Exodus. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. I ask you to stand with me as we read this. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 12. Let's read this out loud together. Exodus 16, verses 1 through 12. Ready? Read. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that we should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. You may have a seat. Let me begin by saying this. The root, the stem, the reason, the primary principle behind gluttony is self-centeredness. It's thinking more about you and your wants than other wants. It's placing your interests, your desires, your whatever it is in front of everyone else and everything. Now think about the context here for a second. Let's back it up. This is Exodus. And the reason it's called Exodus is because they're exiting out of slavery. They are leaving Egypt. So it's the group of people, God's people, Moses' people, they're exiting. It's the exodus out. And so the book itself is the story of them exiting out of slavery under Pharaoh's control. God's people were in slavery. They basically had a dictator that told them what to do. They had no freedom. You go to bed at this time, you work here, and and you work this hard, you work that hard. And so every single day of their lives, they were under the control and the ball and chain of another person. So God walked into their lives trying to free them. Moses asked for them to be freed. God showed his power, and Pharaoh finally said, send those people out of here. Just just let them exit. Because he put 10 plagues on them, and God revealed his power, and so they are exiting Egypt. And on their way out of Egypt, they began to complain. And enter this passage right here. People are grumbling. And they even began to surface the thought, like, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back and be in slavery instead of have freedom. And so the very reason they wanted to go back is because of gluttony. Look look at verses 2 and 3. Just take a look here. Look what it says in verse 2 and 3. It says in chapter 16 and verse 2 and 3, it says this. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of what? And ate all the what we wanted. Food we wanted. But you have brought us out in the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, pull away and set some more context here. They had just recently experienced, and for some of you, you might not be familiar with this, the Red Sea crossing. Now, think about this for a second. 
they actually saw God part waters. He went to this large body of water and he stopped the water and it banked up. And the Israelites said they drove across their chariots. They ran across dry ground so that they could flee the Egyptians. And then God saw the Egyptians coming on their horses and their chariots. And as soon as the the Israelites were out and the Egyptians were in there, he let the waters team again and, and flow down and it destroyed. They had just witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. The most miraculous thing outside of the 10 plagues they had ever seen. And they're saying in this moment, God, we want to go back to Egypt where we're going to be in slavery. Like, we want something to eat. They would rather give up their freedom. They would rather be in slavery. They would rather be inflicted with diseases. Instead of finding freedom. Why? Because... They had a gluttonous desire for food. Another thing, look at, look at Exodus chapter 15. Look what God also promised them as they left this land. Exodus chapter 15, look at verse 25. It says, then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. He guaranteed them no diseases if they obeyed. He guaranteed them fresh water. He guaranteed them hope, freedom on the horizon. And the very next thing they say to God, we want to go back to Egypt. Why? Because they miss the pots of meat and the food in excess that was given to them. By the way, this has been an ongoing battle of humanity since the early days of creation in the garden. Think about this for a second. Ever since Adam and Eve fell because of the first food commercial, we have been in deep trouble with wanting more too. Think about this for a second. What was Adam and Eve's sin? Gluttony. What do you mean, Pastor Jim? God told them, he says, I, you can eat any of the other trees. You can eat any of the fruit from the other trees, but I'm going to limit you. There's one tree that you can't eat from. And we, we, we heard a couple weeks ago when I said that Satan came with the accusation, slander, and gossip against God. But the outright sin that they committed was they desired more food. They had a gluttonous desire. And because of their desire to have more, the very first sin in the garden was a sin of gluttony. And that sin has permeated mankind since Genesis chapter 3. God's people here and today, even in this account, have forgotten. While they think more brings happiness, gluttony will rob you of happiness. Food and overeating will never increase pleasure. It will decrease your happiness because you have shifted towards self-centeredness and away from dependency on God. So look again, look at verse three. Look at the reason they want to go back to Egypt. Verse three, the Israelites said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand, there we sat with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out here to starve. The Israelites actually thought the ribs of Pharaoh's buffet would be better than the bread of life in Jesus Christ. And so do we when we allow gluttonous desires, when we run to comfort food, instead of finding the comfort of 2 Corinthians 
chapter 1, where God is the God of all comfort, where we run because we're frustrated, because we're bored, and we go to food instead of running to God. When you and I do that, we have gluttonous desires. We have the sin of gluttony, and sin separates us from God. For some reason, here's what we believe. We believe the cure-all for every human's ill is to consume more. If you're depressed, you go shopping. I want more. You, you, you buy a boat. You buy a new car. You buy a new house. Fill in the blank. You just keep getting more thinking that if you got more, you'll be better or you'll be comforted. The root of that is self-centeredness. And the very principle behind it is a gluttonous desire for more. You see, human gluttony is like a mosquito bite. The more we scratch it, the more it itches. Overconsumption creates new appetites and new miseries. So pull away from the story. I feel heartbroken for Moses. Now think about it. He was an incredible leader. He just led his people away from this dictator, out of slavery, and they're headed to this promised land. They wake up one morning. He's, he's doing everything God, he goes up and God says, tell him this, tell him that, do this. I mean, God spoke to him and he just come out and spoke the very words of God. He's leading them in a perfect way. And they wake up one morning and say, oh, we want some pot roast from Golden Corral at Pharaoh's Buffet. We would rather go back there than to be in the desert and starve. He had just led his people through the Red Sea and is navigating them across the desert. And now they begin to grumble. You see, they had forgotten what God had done. Why? Because they were just thinking about themselves. They took their eyes off of God and turned them towards their stomachs. Paul addresses that. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Keep your finger here in Exodus. Philippians chapter 3. Look how he addresses this in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Paul addresses the same concept of what he calls what we do when we glutton, become gluttons. He says this in verse 19 of chapter 3 of Philippians. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their what? Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. He's saying this. You are worshiping the desires of your belly, the desires of wanting more. He's saying, you have made the gurgling sound of your gut more valuable than the God of the universe. You are worshiping the God of gluttony, little g, instead of the God. You have made your bellies, they are your appetites of gluttony, and turn you away from God. Proverbs is loaded with principles. Proverbs 28, 7 says this, A discerning son heeds instruction, but a companion of glutton disgraces his father. Remember, at the root of gluttony is self-centeredness. You want comfort. You want to be fed. You want your own wants and your own desires. You have replaced food for Jesus. So you have organized and sometimes secretly arranged your day so that comfort, you can comfort gluttonous behavior in your life. 
So how does that happen? I mean, do we really need to tell? I mean, we could all just stand up and say, this is how we do it. You stash food. Go to your cupboards. Like you have a place at home. It's like no one knows it's there but you. And you're not going to tell your kids that it's there either. Like, this is for me. This is when I put you to bed, when I've had a long day. This is my cupboard. Don't touch dad's cupboard. Don't touch mom's cupboard. You eat the food while cooking it. You eat a full meal while you've cooked it. Then you sit down and eat a meal. That's called gluttonous behavior. Oh, I'm just tasting it. Here, you want to taste too? It's just, I just keep tasting it. You purchase food that satisfies your stomach and you say it's healthy. Here's how it goes. We, we, we think in our minds that we can justify. So we go on this healthy plan. So I'm going to eat protein bars, nutrition bars. So, you know, I, I want to make sure that I eat healthy. So you know what you do? You go out and buy protein bars that have triple chocolate and triple peanut butter on them. And you eat them. And you feel good. Like, in fact, I just have two. It's, it's, it's healthy. Look, it's healthy. See, it's healthy. And then you eat a full course meal. It's a gluttonous desire that you've implemented in your life. You snack at the gas station and munch between meals. You have conveniently con- went to a convenience place, not just get gas, but because you know where your candy bar is. You know where your two liter of pop is. You know where your iced tea is. You know where your ruffle potato chips with cheese on are at. You know where, and so you've conveniently, and, 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 and on the way there, like it might have been a bad morning, but you begin to grin because you're like, oh baby, that comfort's coming. You have used excuses like, well, we can't waste food, can we? And so you just, you eat your kids' fries, your dad's fries, your mom's fries, and you're glad that they ordered a supersize because you know they're not going to get it done and you're going to get it. We have these patterns of gluttony. And we say, oh, I've got to make sure we clean up our plates because those pygmies in Africa, they're starving. And we justify it. Or we use wine and alcohol to wind down from your day. Because I want to need comfort. It was a hard day. It's been hard, man. You don't know where I work at. You, you, you don't know the kids that I have. You don't know the students that I teach. You, you don't know how hard it is for my husband and my wife. You, you, and, and so you, you conveniently, you got this stash of wine. And you go to it. And if you're going to it for comfort, that's called sin. No, Pastor Jim, I just need to wind down from the day. No, you don't. You can wind down in Jesus Christ. It's a gluttonous desire. Oh, I just need a few. I just, I just need a few brews before I go to bed because it helps me. It mellows me out so I can sleep. If you have a dependency on anything other than Jesus Christ, it's sin. You even go to your favorite chair. You have it in your house. Your favorite couch. And, and you know, oh, I can't wait to 10 o'clock. Like, kids are in bed. Hubby, he gets up early. There's my spot. And you work your way over and you, you're grinning thinking about it. And you go and you get your stash, your food, and you just sit there and grin. No one sees it. It's called gluttony. Then you convince yourself all the reasons why you should have it. It's been a hard day. You see, gluttony will spoil your appetite for God. Look what happens here. Look at chapter 16. They're complaining. They're griping. They want the food back in Egypt. So in verse 13, look at God's grace. 
God heard their grumbling. Verse 13, it says, That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, and some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they what? Stop and consider the grace of God for a second here. I'm so grateful for his grace, aren't you? They're whining and complaining and griping, and he feeds them. Moses has just led his people out of Egypt. Just sad commentary when I I look at this and read this, because he does the miraculous in the desert, and now... He does what I would call a quail mageddon and frosted flakes. There it is. And by the way, if you've ever hunted quail, and I have, and we had bird dogs growing up, quail don't live in deserts. And if you ever try to catch a quail, they're one of the fastest birds outside of a grouse to try to shoot. Like if you've got a dog and you're trying to shoot a quail, they scare the living daylights out of you when they go out in coveys. And God had allowed not only quail to be there, but they were able to catch quail. You don't catch a quail with your hands. And he put in the morning, so at night he brought the meat. And so they were able to go out. I just need one for me or Omer for me, Omer for them. And so then it said, don't take more than you need, but take as much as you need or as little as you need. And in the morning, Frosted Flakes was on the ground. They ate breakfast. They ate supper. God provided for them. Everything they needed, God provided for them. Isn't it true that gluttonous behavior can shift our eyes from God to the thing we selfishly want? Like, how many of you think about your meal all day long? Like, how many of you call your wives up because if she's the cook and you say, on your way home, hey, hey, what's for supper? Hey, what are we eating tonight? How many, how many of you singles, like, you plan your night, you're like, all day long you're working hard, and, and, but you're comforted knowing we're going to Hacienda tonight, and we get sauce and chips, and we're getting three containers of it. That's called gluttony. Proverbs 25 and verse 16 says, eat only what you need to, much of it will make you vomit. Gluttony doesn't increase pleasure, it decreases it. God gave them a limit on how much they should take. Take as much as you need, but not more. Take as little as you need, but not more. Don't take more. In fact, on the sixth day, grab enough for the seventh day, because on the seventh day, we rest. And so he had this perfect plan. They had all that they would need. It seemed like a plan, like, man, God brought quail to the desert. He brought frosted flakes, and it was great for them. He did the same thing in the garden with Adam and Eve. Yet the same sin happened in the garden, a gluttonous desire. God put a limit, said, you can eat all these trees but you can't eat from that tree. 
And the very reason that Adam and Eve fell was because of a gluttonous desire for more. And that sin has permeated mankind from that time. Jesus gives us this story in Luke. Turn to Luke. The story continues. It's all through the Bible. Everywhere you look, you see this gluttonous group of people who, who who keep... Chasing their desires. Look at, look at Luke chapter 12 in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Look at Luke chapter 12 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 12. And look at, ver- and look at verse 13. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of abundance of possession. And he told this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build, what kind of barns? What does it say? Bigger ones. And there I will what my surplus? What does it say? Store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, <laughs> you're pretty good. No, just Jim Brown paraphrase. This is this. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be what? Merry. But God said to him, you what? Fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores, stores, hoards, hoards, stores, hoards up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Gluttons have a hoarding mentality. Your stash is hidden somewhere. And just in case I might need it, You store it away. Let me just ask, what are you storing away? Got nice and bright in here. You guys noticed that like I did too, so. Let's kill the elephant in the room. That's just kind of nice. I can see faces. Just give it up. Everyone's trying to hide with this message, aren't you? (laughs) Gluttony leads to hoarding. Storing more. And this account we're about to see with the Israelites, what do they end up doing? We're going to see. What do they try to do? They said, let's get more quail. Get more than we need. And so they go and they hoard up the quail. And what happens? The next morning, it's got maggots in it. You're not eating maggot quail. God is saying, don't hoard. Some of you in this room and in the world, you have stored stuff away just in case. You have duplicates and triplicates and quadruplicates and fifthicates and sixthicates of things storing it away, thinking that I might need it. A hoarder is a person who is a glutton by nature. And Jesus said, Don't be like the rich man who said, Hey, look at me, because your life will be demanded of you. Gluttony leads to destruction. Look at verses 19 and 20 in this passage in chapter 16. It says, Then Moses said to them in verse 19, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no what to Moses. And we could say, however, 
some of us paid no attention to Jesus. Some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of what? And you ain't eating maggots. And began to what? So Moses was angry with them. So what happened to that group? It ultimately leads to destruction. Look at Numbers chapter 14. Keep your hand here. Same story, same people. Turn to Numbers chapter 14, just a couple books ahead. This is the group of people that we're referring to here. Now it says this in Numbers chapter 14. This is what God said to those people who hoarded. it. This is what God pe- said to those people who were gluttons. This is what he said to them in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 26. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? We want to go back to Egypt. We want pots. We want ribs from, from Pharaoh's golden corral. I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census, who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this what? He took their lives. Why? Because they had this insatiable desire for everything but God. And they grumbled. We want to go back to Egypt. Are you going to let us starve out here in the wilderness? And the very thing that they spoke, he gave them. They died in the wilderness. Even addictions are birthed from gluttony, which stems from believing you can't make it without this thing. Alcoholics think that this will bring them comfort, that this is what they need to replace this void in their lives, so they drink. Even people who are addicted to to tobacco, they think they need something that will make them happy and comfort them instead of finding comfort and hope in Christ alone. Even people who have drug addiction, it starts out simple. Often, you know, it starts out, Hey, I need help. And so you get help and you become dependent on it, thinking that you still need this. And all of a sudden you have replaced even a narcotic for Jesus. Why? A gluttonous desire to remove this pain, this boredom, this void that can only be filled not by an imitation, but by the bread of life, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, take this gluttonous behavior and stay away from it. Genesis chapter 25, Jacob and Esau, brothers. In the Old Testament, the firstborn was the birthright. In other words, the firstborn, he received the best from his father. So if you were a firstborn son in a family, as it was with Jacob and Esau, you had the rights from your dad. You inherited more than anyone else. Esau is out in the field working. He was a hard worker. He had worked hard. He came back to camp, and his brother was shrewd. You ever have a brother like that? He's always working the system. His brother knew that Esau would be hungry, and so he worked up this stew. He got some beef in it, and he got some potatoes, and he got some, he got, he got, he got some carrots in it, and he poured little tomatoes in it, and he's stewing. You're getting hungry, aren't you? And, it was, he, and he was stirring that up, and Esau came home. He smelled that stew. Woo! Hungry. 
And Jacob saw that look on his face. He said, I got him. <laughs> He's a glutton. He says, you know what? You hungry? You want some of this? And he probably went, it's good too. And he stuck it out in front of him. He took another spoonful. Mm, it's the best I made in a while. Here, smell it. <laughs> and then he said this to his brother. He said, hey, hey, you can have this stew if you give me your birthright. Esau sold his birthright for a can of Campbell's pot roast. Why? Because he was a glutton. He sold the inheritance from his father for pot roast. So do we. Every single time we run to something that's comfort food. We run to something in excess when we hoard things up just in case I need it. Proverbs chapter 23, Solomon makes a strong declaration. Look at Proverbs chapter 23, look at verse 19. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 19. Look what he says. He says, listen, my son or daughter or Grace Community Church, and be what? Wise. Set your heart on what kind of path? What does it say? Right path. Come on, help me out. Proverbs 23, 19. Now verse 20. Do not what? What's the word? Join. Do not even join those who drink too much what? Or gorge themselves on what? For drunkards and what? Become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Solomon says, don't even hang out with a glutton. Don't even join them. Don't even sit down with your friend who has wine in excess because they're bored, they're tired, they're lonely. Don't even associate with drunkards and gluttons. Why? Because it diminishes their testimony. It says that I need this more than I need Jesus. And if you're trying to win the world to Jesus, you got to stand out different than the world. A gluttonous desire. It would break my heart if our testimony was diminished because of our gluttonous desires. You see, gluttony stems from fear, the fear that somehow God isn't enough, a fear that you can't make it without that Twinkie, a fear that somehow God won't provide tomorrow. And these Israelites hoard it out of fear and selfishness. Why? They wanted to make sure they could control their food supply when God said, I got your back. And listen to me, Grace, he still has our backs. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 2. Like Solomon doesn't pull any punches. I like Solomon. Here's what he says. Listen, this isn't Jim speaking. It sounds like something I would say, but this is Solomon. He says, put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Just symbolically, just, just stop it. Cut it off. Because taken to excess, it destroys your physical well-being. You know, it does affect you physically. It can cause high blood pressure, unhealthy cholesterol, heart disease, strokes, gallstones, type 2 diabetes. You don't need a milkshake every single day of your life. You don't need ice cream every night because it's comfort. Just like some of you, it's, it's like, right now you think about it. Like, oh, it's been a hard day. I can't wait. 10 o'clock tonight. I get that whatever yours is, butter pecan. I don't know. I hate butter pecan. It, it, chocolate mint, like chocolate mint. Like who wants to eat 
peanuts and nuts in their ice cream. It's just dumb, just dumb. Another, another story for another day. I like smooth peanut butter, not crunchy peanut butter. Now you know, okay? But you have a place that you go to, and, and like you're already smiling. It's like you went shopping on Saturday, and you got the new container. You're so excited. Six straight nights, baby. And you got this smile on your face, and you're running to that comfort by indulging in gluttony. You and I limit how God can use us. We shorten our ability to live on planet Earth because of poor health choices. We give the God of the universe a tainted house to live in. So what can we do to overcome gluttony? Here's a couple helps. I hope they help you. First, don't see it as giving up something, but taking more of Jesus in. It's not so much stopping something as it is adding something. And when he takes full ownership of our hearts, there's no room for anything else. Take more Jesus. Not like you have to diet and quit. Like, I got to stop. No, add more Jesus. And when you add more Jesus, there's not room for gluttony. Secondly, remove the stashes from your houses. You know where they're at. Where do you hide your excess? Where do you get your wine and your alcohol, your chocolate? Oh, don't touch my chocolate, Pastor Jim. Like, that's got good, good stuff to it, too. Where do you get your ice cream and your Twinkies and your little Debbies and, and, and your Mike and Ikes? Guilty. I even justified it. Like, I was, telling, I was talking to a guy earlier. Here's, here's, how, I, here's how I justify it. And you, I'm sure you never justify your gluttony either. It's like this. Like, I love Mike and Ike's. Like, and so I've justified, I don't eat the whole box anymore. I just give some to my kids. It doesn't matter how much I give them, but as long as I give them some, it's not as bad as eating the whole box. That's called sin. Next, admit to God that you are a glutton and confess that sin. Repent. Simplify your life by purging the things you have in excess. Like, are you building bigger barns? Are you, do you have storage units for stuff that you haven't used in months? And you have neighbors who don't have clothes in a vehicle? And we have orphans that are dying and need fed? Give it away to a charitable organization. Don't be a hoarder. Get a real fitness plan that isn't used to cancel out your gluttonous eating habits. Like, I'm working out tonight so I can eat a blizzard afterwards. Be satisfied with one burger and not two. In all seriousness, seriously. Like, I've walked in lines. I watch people. They grab two burgers. Like, I'm thinking, you don't need two burgers. Like, like, uh... Burger King had two Big Macs and two fries for 10 bucks. And some guys were like, that's a great deal. Like 10 bucks, I can eat lunch. Are you kidding me? That's meant for two people. In fact, that's meant for four people. Be satisfied in moderation and not excess. Listen, don't supersize your meals. When the cashier asks you, she goes, when she goes, Okay, what meal did you want? Say small. I like to order that, that the comment, small. Just practice. Small. 
It actually can come out of your mouth. Small. Remove buffets from your schedule. Oh, Pastor Jim, now you're getting, you're getting on my stuff now. Unless, unless, unless it's seafood. See how I did that? Pretty good, wasn't it? Quit blaming someone else for your bad patterns. If it wasn't for that person, if it wasn't for my husband, it wasn't for Pastor Jim, but he ticks me off. <laughs> Remove slothful patterns which connect to gluttony. Get up and move and develop a healthy lifestyle. Instead of walking towards the refrigerator, run outside. Get some accountability and be someone's accountability. And let me just say something. My son is, our son is an accountant. Now, here's what accountability is. You count what you've done. It isn't like, I think, kind of close. Imagine if Josh were to do books of businesses and said, well, here's what I think it is. Imagine if Darlene, who does our finances, said, this is what I think, this is where I think we are. Accountability is to take count of. It means report to someone what you ate. Get someone in your life that you know will hold you to the fire. Don't get compatibility. Don't get your wife or, or your husband who, 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 who just be compatible. Say, yeah, I know too. Let's go out to eat. Okay, celebrate it. Get someone in your life you have to report to. Say, I'm going to work in this area. And not only report to you, tell them. I tell you, I really struggle at 9 o'clock at night. Like, NBA playoffs, I'm done. Like, Cavs are on late or earlier. And the Warriors, they come on like 10.30. Man, ice cream at 10.30 and the Warriors, Have your friend call you. Like, that's accountability. I struggle with this at this time. Call them up, send them a text. And if they don't answer, just keep texting them. Why do I tell you all this? Because we represent the body of Jesus Christ. And God is more than enough for us. More than enough. Now let me pull away, and it's good for me to hear this and good for you to hear this. We have a God of grace. I'm not trying to give you something to shame you. I'm just trying to inform you. Here's what I know to be true. God does not love some future version of us. He loves us right where we are today in our journeys with him. And he wants us to live to our redeemed potential. Hear me out. God is more than enough for you. The bread of life is better than anything you're stashing away and chasing down. You will end up empty. So God, help us today. Help us to be those people who make the right decisions. Help us to be the people who lean to you. God, help us to overcome. Many of us in this room want to overcome. We start, but we don't finish. I pray that today, Holy Spirit, that you would convict, that you would affirm, that you would empower And I pray that this sin that started in the garden with Adam and Eve went through Jacob and Esau, went through the Israelites 
came through the rich man and has made its way into our homes today would be broken when we know that the bread of life in Jesus Christ is more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen.